Hey there, it's Kim Doyle, and welcome to my show, where digital marketing meets real stories, experiences, and strategies. You'll get a behind-the-scenes look at what's working and not working in my business, as well as other experts who show up and share their stories. As much as I love talking about tangible marketing principles and tactics, we'll dig a little deeper with mindset and explore what's required to create a business you love on your terms that also supports your life. I want to help you understand the why behind the how. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just dipping your toes in, remember, marketing is a journey and the goal is to enjoy it. My desire is to guide you on your journey and remind you that no matter what life throws at you, you've got this. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Holy moly. Happy Christmas. Um, I don't know why I said happy Christmas because in my head I was thinking happy new year, but we're not quite there yet at the time of this recording anyways. Um, Yeah, there will be... This might be the last episode we'll see uh, of the new year, but I think I'm going to be able to crank one out before the new year. So we shall see. I will be out of town for some of that time. So, um, but welcome to the Kim Doyle Show. I, of course, am your host, Kim Doyle. And guys, uh, we are just going to keep on this roll of the last couple episodes because I'm so fired up. And today's episode is 124. And I am going to do the math and count how many total episodes, i.e. from the WordPress Chick podcast to to now, to to now, to today, to now, whatever. We're going to run with it. Um, Today's episode, though, is Everything is Content 2.0. I've got an easy guide to getting started, but man, I am bringing this back with a vengeance, baby. Oh, goodness. Um, Yeah, I'm recording this week before Christmas, and it will be going out at the same time. And uh, note to self, 2024, we're going to get ahead of some episodes here. I've got some podcast interviews planned, so it's going to be a lot easier to do that. I have a tendency to do the solo shows when I'm inspired, and they tend to be timely with where I'm at. So I don't know how far ahead of those I would get. Uh, But before we get into the show, last week was a tough week, guys. I had to say goodbye to one of my dogs. Um, We had to put her down and This was actually the first time I've had to do that with one of my pets. Um, Unfortunately, the our family dog—I won't go sideways, but um, and not to depress anybody because this is going to start off very sad if I do that. But um, she—I probably would have had to put her down within about six months from when she passed. But I found her in the pool. It was extremely heartbreaking, horrifying. I felt like I failed the poor dog. but so this was a really tough decision. And these, you know, I've got two, well, I had two dogs and my girls, Lily and Bailey. Bailey's the one I had to put down. And she just, poor thing, man, the last year of year and a half of her life was tough. I had shared um, last year, you know, she had had two knee surgeries in Costa Rica. One didn't heal well. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, so I'm not going to do that to myself today. But um, it was a little bit traumatic. and then. I never had her officially tested, but um, she we believe she had Cushing's, and her poor tummy was getting so distended, and it was like, this was this dog, man, she was so strong and vibrant, and I used to take them. They loved playing catch, and you guys, for the dog people in the States, you're, you're, I don't know if they're worldwide, but it's called Fetch It, right? And it's like this plastic thing that holds the ball in the end. I would take them to the park, and she ran like a racehorse the way her legs, she was so fast. And um, just the knee thing is, you know, some of these things just happen. And, and anyways, but she was just declining, declining, declining. She was slipping on the hardwood floor, struggling to get up and, you know, just pounding the water. She was having accidents in the house. And I just, I was really hoping she would make it through Christmas. Um, and it just felt like it wasn't fair to her. And um, here's the crazy thing, though, is, first of all, uh, yeah, Kim's going to go off script sideways. Just welcome to the show. That's what happens. But the crazy thing, one, I cannot believe how expensive it is to actually put a dog down at the vet. Um, And it was like $60 more to have a vet come to the house. This is a retired vet who does this. And she was amazing. It was the most beautiful, peaceful transition, and I, I I sat on the floor with her. It was just she. Anyways, I won't go sideways because with the details, because 
any dog lover out there, it's probably going to be breaking your heart because it was very difficult. But this vet man, she even had a little stretcher. She wrapped her for us. We took her out back. And it just, it was, it was painful, but it really is an honor to be there with a pet. I was there when my grandfather passed and uh, when my mom, I wasn't by her bedside. We had actually stepped out. And I really believe this is going to get a little into the woo-woo, but that people, pets, whatever, I mean, pets, obviously, if we're putting them down, but they just know there's a knowing um, that it's okay to go. And I think, you know, my dad was with my mom. And so I, I just, I think there is a knowing. So anyways, last week was a bummer. I'm just going to say that it was hard and I am grateful. Um, these dogs have been my little family since my kids were out on their own. And, you know, they both went to Boise with me and then to Costa Rica and then back. And they've been my little, um, yeah, just, you know, so. And then, of course, your heart goes out to the other one, right? So Lily has been getting, I'm, I just glanced to look at her on the floor. She's been getting lots of extra love. And and of the two dogs, she is my, um, we had her, we got her first like at eight weeks. So she's always been my shadow. She's the snuggly, lovey, you know, they were such an incredible balance and everybody thought they were sisters, um, similar size and Bailey was brown and white, Lil's brown. But anyways, you know, just life, that is just life, isn't it? And it, it, I, I don't know, there's something to be said about getting older and the more you experience life's heartaches, the more graceful you're able to manage them, I think, and be gentle with yourself. I really gave myself, you know, a couple days just to check out. And um, yeah, it was good. It was good. And I don't know about you guys, but this is also the time of year where I'm like, okay, I'm ready for Christmas and I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's having spent so many years in retail management. Um, and gosh, I have not done that since it was the last Christmas season in retail. 2005, maybe? It's been a long time. But you know, you live in that from September through the end of January. It's a very long five months because after Christmas, then you've got inventory and stuff. And so I was always that person, and I'll never forget one of my, is that our first Christmas in the house, my husband and I? <laughs> this was so funny. We literally, the kids went to bed, and we like, we packed up and we cleaned up Christmas that night, which sounds horrible, I know, but I also do, I start the season kind of early, maybe a little bit before Thanksgiving, so, you know, but you just kind of look forward to that normalcy, right? Where you get back into your routines and you stop getting pinged with discounts and sales and offers and all of that stuff. And it's it's just part of life. It's um, but I am really looking forward to my daughter's coming up and we will then I'll be down um at my sister's for a handful of days. Uh my sister, and my niece, their birthday is the 27th, so we'll just stay down. And um yeah, it's I'm looking forward to like cozy afternoons and game playing and just easing into it because I am so excited. I startled the dog with that, you guys. Um, I'm so excited about 2024 and bringing back everything as content. So let's get into the the meat and potatoes of this episode. So I came up with everything as content, hashtag everything is content back in 2016. And you can now find that hashtag across social media. And was I the original creator of the hashtag? I don't know. But let me tell you that when I started using it, it wasn't searchable at the time. And then I started creating the hashtag and using it. So, you know, not the credits necessary, but I've been saying that for a long time and I have believed it. And this goes along with, you know, like Gary Vee has always said, document, don't create. This takes it another step further beyond the build in public and all of that. So I created it though, because I discovered how incredibly true it was. This is after I had been writing as the WordPress, as the WordPress chick for eight years at the time. Um, and I knew that I was pivoting towards my personal brand. And that being said, I was getting, you get tired of talking about the same thing over and over and 
over again. Um, but but two factors contributed to growing my personal brand even before I made it official, and both were because of writing. My podcast, which again was the WordPress Chick podcast for when did I finally pivot? For five years, it was WordPress Chick. WordPress. Easy for me to say. Uh, to the Kim Doyle show. And I know I had a hot minute where I did F the Hustle with Kim Doyle, but I'm just leaving it at the Kim Doyle show. Um, so that was the first thing. The podcast was the first thing and my almost daily emails. And I'm going to go more into depth with both. To, so sit tight because you might be thinking podcasting, writing, what's that to do with it? And I have said this before, and it is a hill I'm willing to die on. I was trying to come up with plant my flag in what, you know, there's so many um, phrases, but whatever. Um, the best thing you can do to grow and scale your business online is to learn how to write and do it as often as possible. And not just writing, I, I should have added to this in the, in the actual post, writing, learning how to write, doing it as often as, pos- as often as possible, and publishing and sharing your writing. You don't have to want to become a writer, but if you're going to create the type of business that supports you without trading time for money, you need to create assets that work for you when you're not working. Okay, and I'm not saying that all of this is is passive, but you have to have assets that earn you money. End of story. Or you are, if you're an agency, um, you know who's done a really great job is is uh, Kyle Van Dusen, my friend, and he ha- he runs the admin bar on Facebook, and he's created a couple of great products that make him money all the time. He's extremely active and involved in his Facebook group. But as a website agency, he's he's found a really great way. So even if you're an agency, you don't have to stick with that. But the whole passive income idea, the creating assets that work for you, there is work involved in that, right? And in other words, you know, you have to have content, uh, courses, at, you have to be able to write ads, all of those things. Because all of those things also contribute to lead generation, to an email list, which email I will also, this is, I'm going to die on a bunch of hills, guys, because this is another hill I'm ready to die on. But that is, email is still the best, straightest path to sales. Um, So off the top of my head, here's where good writing comes into play online. So content, your website is what I'm referring. And it's fascinating to see you guys how many people who and and I'm going to say younger people, okay, who are probably in their mid to late 20s and who have grown brands by writing on social first, and now they're coming back to the website piece. So it's interesting just to see how that's that's evolved. Um, but so content, emails, social content, website copy, sales page copy, email sequences, courses, podcast posts, posts show notes, uh, engagement, you need to be able to write well to engage with people who engage with your content, worksheets, ebooks, video headlines and descriptions. So, you know, I, I'm missing plenty on that list. But the bottom line is you cannot grow an online business without learning to write. Well, actually, you can, you probably can if you're just going to be prolific. But if you focus on getting better at writing, let's look at it that way. Focus on the mastery, focus on the craft of writing and There is something so magical when you say, oh my gosh, I changed that. I I use the same um, sales page or the same email, the same body copy, but I changed the headline and it increased sales by 20%. You guys, there's magic in that. That is a tangible result. You do not have to want to become this prolific writer, but you do need to learn to write well in order to scale and grow a business. I, I so believe that. Period. End of story. And if you're listening to this and you're feeling resistance, maybe you're feeling a bit pissy, um, then it's time to do a little entrepreneurial adulting and get really honest with yourself. I, I knew a woman who just, I'm not a writer, I wanted nothing to do with it and would hire people to write and then didn't want to even spend the time to review what was written. And it's like, fine, then stay where you're at. That's great. But you don't get to then, well, you can complain about it, but it's going to fall on deaf ears. If you complain that you know that things are not progressing, but you're not willing to do the work that's going to help you progress, and if you want to just pay someone to write, then you also may be throwing money away because there there's a meaning paying someone to write and being completely hands off. 
Okay, you you should work together collaboratively. And then there comes a point where ideally you can be hands off. But if it's your business, if it's your brand, it's if it's representing you, why on earth would you not want a say in that? Unless you're perfectly fine with how things are. And there is nothing wrong with that. There's no judgment in saying, look, I make enough money to cover XYZ. I'm happy. I like the quality of my life, whatever. But if you desire to grow and scale in whatever way that looks like for you, you know, you don't have to want seven figures, God forbid. Now everyone's talking about being billionaires. It makes me want to hurl, but whatever. <laughs> to each their own. But it's like, come on. Okay. And that's probably because, you know, California, you know, a, a standard family home in the Bay Area is probably close to a million dollars. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. But I think you need to really ask yourself, how badly do you want this? Are you willing to do the work? And I am not preaching hustle here. You guys know that. I am not a believer in working yourself to the bone at the expense of the quality of your life. And there are such different stages of life. I My ability to hustle 20 years ago was completely different than my ability or desire. I had a desire 20 years ago. Yeah, like how productive can I be? How much can I get done in a day? I'm I, what what is I'll do whatever it takes. Now I'm not willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes that supports the quality of my life. So maybe things might take longer or it's going to look different. It doesn't matter to me. I've got this. And but I am willing to do the work and I am willing to practice the writing and learn more about copy and study it and pay attention and edit and tweak and test and all those things. Anyways, again, you guys, I'm not preaching hustle, but are you willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? That is the biggest question. You're not, something doesn't, just because we're adults and we're established business owners, or maybe you're starting or you're into this for a couple of years, doesn't mean, you know, you're not going to have those moments that we used to have as kids when you were learning something new and there was this, am I going to be good at this? Or, you know, it, it's it's as adults we don't put ourselves in those circumstances or situations that frequently and i think it's invaluable not only is it imperative for our health and our brains our brain health to keep learning new things and creating new synapses it keeps us excited and curious about life the more you do it the more you try the easier it is to do it the next time i have yet to meet a single creator or entrepreneur who doesn't experience fear, no matter what level they're at. It's part of the journey. I also haven't met one who doesn't have to write. Even if you have a ghostwriter or your content is primarily audio and or video, you still have to write headlines, captions, descriptions. Ideally, you're writing emails to get people to go pay attention to your audio and video content. Um, when I was getting started, I had plenty of fear, but was so ignorant to the entire online marketing space. Remember, guys, 2008 is you know, multiply that by like dog years, almost 16 years ago, how different things are. Um, But I was so ignorant to it all. And I was so new that it was super easy to stay out of my head. I wasn't terribly worried about other people's thoughts because I really didn't know many people online. And I was never one of those people. And, And truly, you guys, ignorance was bliss. But how many times, and this kind of approaches people who have clients um, all you WordPress people out there, the WordPress agencies and websites, you know, they get so panicked about stuff on their site. And oh my God. And when it's a brand new site, and I'm like, it would be so great if the day you put a website up, it was flooded with traffic. But the reality is it just doesn't work that way anymore. I think there probably was a time where Google's like, hey, new content, but it's just, it doesn't happen that fast. <laughs> so it's okay to start practicing in public, which I'm going to talk about in a bit too. And, you know, as my business and my brand grew, I worried a little bit more, but it wasn't until I felt like I had to niche down that I really started to get into my head. Um, I ranted quite a bit about this in episode 121, where I referenced Dan Coe's video, Most Profitable Niches You. Um, So instead of ranting here, as fun as it can be, although I will tell you because I've already written this whole episode out, right? There's a rant is coming, but (laughs) I want to give you a more straightforward guide on how to get started with everything is content 2.0. And I'm saying 2.0 because I am so much stronger in my convictions about this. When I came up with the the hashtag years ago, it was fun. I'm like, guys, everything is content. Just tell stories. Just talk to people. Eh, I, I really am on a mission to help people step into this. 
So here's a quick backstory on everything is content. I actually taught a workshop on this. It was a paid workshop. And yes, I'm going to be doing a brand new and completely updated version of this in January 2024. And my thought, I love doing workshops. Like I like doing it live. I like getting the feedback. I like getting testimonials. And then how do I iterate or how do I step it up a little bit? Or is there another resource that would have been helpful? And then I might up the price, but you guys, I'm talking 47 to $67, somewhere in that range, right? A live workshop with me. I'm so passionate about this. I'd begun using the everything is content hashtag because of my almost daily emails. And I called them almost because I didn't always send emails on the weekends. My almost daily emails, okay, this is all going to circle, connect the dots, whatever. Um, But my almost daily emails was something, it was kind of a challenge. I put out there for myself. I decided to do this after having been a subscriber of Ben Settles for a year and watching how he did it. He does do daily emails. And because of that, I then became a customer of his email player's physical newsletter. It's a paper newsletter you get in the mail. I I haven't subscribed to it in a long time. Um, ben is brilliant. Eh, I think some of his content might sound a little bit misogynistic sometimes and where I'm pretty sure on very separate sides of the political fence. Not that it matters, but um, you know, sometimes you just move on. But he is really great at what he does. Um, that feels like a real ass backward compliment, doesn't it? But I don't know. You hit 50 and it's like, screw it. <laughs> I'm not participating in anything that doesn't uh bring me joy. So I committed myself though. My challenge was that I'm gonna figure out email marketing, regardless of the results. It is the only thing I regret not starting sooner in my business. So these were simply story-based emails with one call to action. And the first month, it was crickets. The second month, people started replying. And in the third month, I had tripled affiliate income for a product I used, talked about, and recommended. And this was all through email. We're going to go off script here. If you are interested in learning more about email, um, it used to be called Tiny Little Business. Andre Chaperon, who was, he's an incredible writer. And just, I, I think I talked about his stuff a little bit when I was talking about Amanda Bond in the last episode. She's an ads person and she was talking about their sphere of influence. It's a the course Andre Chaperon created with Sean Twing. Twing, I believe, yes. And um, Andre's left that business, but there's so much great content on that site. And it's much more about really understanding the customer journey and the psychology behind writing without having to be um, in your face, controversial, just it's it's brilliant. There's so much to learn just from reading the, that content. So I'd highly recommend getting on that list. I will try to link to that in the show notes. Um, anyway, here's the funny thing is that I'd always considered myself a decent writer. So I could write a paper in school and get an A. But learning how to write in your own voice, because not many papers in college or even high school required the same, the same skill set as writing online does, especially in your own voice, which unless you're writing for somebody else, it, it should be in your own voice. It, it was a completely whole new ballgame, not to mention the way you structure. So I've got a uh, coaching client right now. I'm helping to start a new publication on Substack, and she is a therapist. And so I was reviewing um, an issue of her newsletter. And, you know, obviously, she's got a master's and a very intelligent woman, but writing on the web is different than writing offline. And you have to break up the text and you have to use headlines and you have to, you know, pull people through that story piece of it. So um, it's crazy because I was going through this. I'm like, am I actually editing someone else's stuff? Yes, yes, I am. (laughs) But I've been doing this for a long time now. What made the almost daily emails easier to step into was that I had been writing my podcast posts for a few years at that point. I've said this so many times, but you guys, again, I write out this blog post, my podcast post for the solo shows. They tend to be 2,200 to 2,500 words. The Danco episode where I referenced Danco 121, um, I think it was 3,500 words. And so there is this there's it's such a process for me like it's one of those things that i am not interested in being told hack a system whatever i love tuning the world out i know what i want to write about and i just get lost in the moment that's one of those um i, I don't know what the word is here or the the way to say this but you know you kind of think like 
time stands still when you're doing when you're you're just in that zone and it's there's a quantum physics something there that I know I heard Dr. Benjamin Hardy talk about anyways but it is this like it's just like everything slows down because you're in this moment I thoroughly enjoy that process so I'm not interested I I whatever okay so I really do like writing out the solo shows first I the interview posts have always been written after the fact because the way I do the 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 podcast right and especially here because I go off script um but because of all of this I knew that I needed to write the post out first and then use it as a guide like obviously I don't read these but it keeps me on task and now uh little tip for you if you have not used or are thinking about podcasting I highly recommend sign up with Descript because they bought Squadcast so I am now recording the podcast episodes through Squadcast at no extra charge I do it on audio and video I think the last couple I didn't do on video but I do both and then here's the crazy thing you guys because I've got the post on my screen in front of me and so in order to stick on on topic right unless I had a camera in the middle of my screen, which by the way, there is a little, I, I came across a camera that you literally can stick into the middle of your screen. Crazy. But Descript has this after editing tool called Eye Contact and it's AI so that it'll go through the whole video and make sure it looks like I am looking at the camera. Um, Hello. So, and Descript is everything. Um, they actually just did added something else. My friend Karen was telling me about it. I shared it in the newsletter, which if you're not subscribed to, go to kimdoyle.com forward slash the dash spark and get on the spark newsletter. I was sharing a tool, but Descript is now, I share tools every week, I mean, but Descript now will do those short clips with the transcripts. They'll pull with AI, they pull out the best clips. So we'll see. I'm going to test this episode against Opus.pro and then the, what is it? It's clip something. Anyways, it's, it's in that and I'll see if I can link to that too. Okay, let's go back to where am I at? Um, okay, back to, to writing and the podcasts and the daily emails. Getting better at writing is the whole point of this, right? I always thought I was fine. And then it, it become there's so many different nuances that come into play when you do this. And here's the funny thing, you guys. As soon as I started using Grammarly, it became qu- quite clear to me that I didn't really pay attention to grammar in school. I swear, I swear to you. And to this day, I wonder how the bucket I ever got an A on a paper, really, because when I was writing papers in high school and college, there wasn't all these, you know, editing tools um, that automatically do it for you. Anyway, and I will also say this, I've probably learned more about grammar writing online with the help of Grammarly than I ever did when I was in school. You know, and I and every ounce of my being believes it's because I enjoy what I'm doing and I constantly want to improve on the craft. I don't, I mean, it makes me kind of cringe, truly, when I go back and and I'm like, what, how much, how far should I go back with content that I wrote pre-Grammarly on my site? <laughs> Whatever, you know, you just, you roll with it. Anyways, back to the podcast post. So writing the podcast post out before recording helps me clarify what I'm trying to convey. And I promise you, this is all going to circle back to everything is content. And I have seven steps for you that I want you to follow to start stepping into this. So sometimes I'll start with one idea and through the writing, it pivots into something else entirely. I'm learning to edit my content to ensure that I'm not simply treating the podcast like a personal diary, which I'll admit I do pretty frequently. And, and I know that people enjoy that, okay, which totally ties into everything is content. People want to know they're not in it alone. We're you know, how many of us are behind the computer all day by ourselves? And yes, we connect with people and we've got friends online or I've got mastermind groups or whatever. I've got all these great friends that I connect with and talk to consistently. But the the thing is, having that outside um, perspective on editing, you know, it can, it's it's incredibly helpful because learning to edit your own thoughts is a little tricky. And sometimes I ignore Grammarly's suggestions because even though it suggests a more concise way to say something, it's not how I would talk if I were talking in person to somebody. <clears throat> Excuse me, I swear, Northern California feels like the Sahara Desert to me. I don't know why. <clears throat> I, growing up, I, Costa Rica wrecked me. I really don't remember it being this dry. Anyway, 
But what is most important to me when I write online is that it sounds like me. This is why I hate templates that suggest I speak in platitudes or definitive ideas that don't resonate with me. And here comes the quick rant, you guys. And I know I said I wasn't going to. But you absolutely 100% have to consider the creator of said templates, whatever those are, okay? I have purchased way too many templates and frameworks from creator bros who grew a brand on Twitter with this type of writing. (laughs) They're probably 25 years younger than me, targeting a different audience, have different desires, and have a completely different perspective, none of which is right or wrong, good or bad. So this is not to hate on that, but it it is a huge um, red flag of mistrust of myself. So if I trusted myself, and it's scary when you see everybody else is jumping on board these this creator's following and they're doing this and they're doing that and but if it doesn't work for you that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you and how you want to run your business it's like forcing a square peg in a round hole it's just not going to work every time i tried to use these templates i cringed i freaking cringed i'm like i i wouldn't talk that way that's not the type of social content i want to share and it doesn't and I, this is not to say that templates aren't a great starting point they absolutely are but consider the source. So if you can learn how to write, you can create your own templates to plug your own thoughts into, right? And more importantly, I really think that you have to decide if the structure of the templates resonate with you. If it doesn't, no amount of trying to put your own spin on it, it's going to work. So I mentioned this in last week's episode. So if you missed that, I'm going to go ahead and reiterate this point. Having a focus session with a woman my age, who has been in business 20 plus years, incredibly brilliant and smart. And we were talking about content on LinkedIn. And she said she shared this copywriter with me who has a very unique way of pulling in a little bit of a story. And these might be the the soap opera sequences that I think Russell Brunson talks about in Dotcom Secrets, the book, which by the way, I think all comes from Andre Chaperone. That's how long he's been in this space. But um these uh the LinkedIn posts, she shared a few with me. She showed me this gal and she said, look, she's just being a, a person. And she's able to share a quick little story. And then I do XYZ, DM me if you're in. It was just, and it was such a natural flow and a great tie. And it does take practice. So like the story-based emails, um, it it does take a lot of practice doing that because you think, how am I going to tie this together? But once you start paying attention and once you start practicing this, you're going to see where, oh, everything is content. And here's a story I've told on the podcast before, but I'm going to do it anyways. One of my most responded to emails, the subject line was, and I've, I've thought of another funny story I want to share in an email, but the subject line was, I literally fell down the stairs and I was telling the story about going to walk my dogs. and. I am such, um, I think the word is audiophile, right? Where I love listening to to books and podcasts, whatever. And so even when I would walk the dog. So I'm walking down the stairs, looking at my phone, not paying attention to what is right in front of me. And I just felt my foot slip a little bit. And it was it was slow motion, you guys. I literally was thinking in my head, this is not going to end well. <laughs> Um, and the crazy thing is I'd had this, um, I think it was like a, almost like a dry erase board that I use like as a little gate to keep the dogs from going out in the living room and stuff. And I I just, oh, anyways, I didn't break anything other than my sunglasses that I was very bummed about. And I twisted my ankle a little bit, but I was like, damn it. (laughs) You know, we didn't end up going for a walk, but I used that story to then pivot to how often are we not looking at what's right in front of us in our business? We're looking outside of ourselves. We're, we're looking for something bigger, or something more. When right in front of us, the very next step is right there, and that's all we need to take. It was a great pivot. I don't even remember what the call to action was, but you can practice doing that when you pay attention to who does it in a way that resonates with you. So the bottom line is do the work for yourself in the first place or find someone who has templates that feel more like you. And you're going to have to hit publish to see what resonates. All right, let's move on. Let's let's get into how to get started with Everything is Content 2.0. And I think at a certain point, I will stop saying 2.0 um, because there's probably a lot of people here that don't remember 1.0. Um, but 
First, I'm going to predict something for 2024. And I got an email, and I don't remember who it was from, that totally validated this. I think we're going to see a lot more creators sharing personal stories, journeys, challenges, and triumphs that have nothing to do with their business in a direct way. Okay. And so to quote Dr. Seuss, and by the way, I wanted to do, um, I was, I went in with Dolly and maybe mid journey does this more, but I said, can you create a quote with a Dr. Seuss quote, attribute Dr. Seuss, um, in that style? And it was like, no, because of copyright, I can't. And I'm like, I thought you could do like a style. Like it's crazy because I can do Pixar style images with Dolly inside of ChatGPT. Anyway, here's the quote. Today, you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Duh, right? I mean, who else can be you? Uh, nobody. And celebrate that. That is the biggest different differentiator we have today is what makes us unique and our perspectives, and our spin on stuff, and our take, and our lessons, and our challenges, our struggles, our triumphs, our wins, all of that. You know, as the old marketing saying goes, people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. That probably stands the test of time. I mean, back to the days of, hold on, (laughs) excuse me, back to the days of bartering chickens for fabric, right? before there was actual money. You create relationships. And even if it's a, you know, I don't say one-sided, but, you know, like I always say, Wayne Dyer was a mentor of mine. We weren't friends, although I did get a hug and meet him in person a handful of times. Um, But I felt a, a kinship, a relationship to him. And so I loved his stuff. But, you know, so I trusted him. I liked his content. I mean, every book the man ever published, every audiobook, whatever I I had. There's a lot less trust moving forward in gurus who sell $2,000 courses while never showing up, you know, once um, outside of maybe they'll occasionally grace you with their presence in a Facebook group um, with a little text comment because now they're, you know, multimillionaires. And so they don't have to deal with their their audience anymore. Um, or maybe there's this like once in a lifetime call. Hey, you do you, whatever. But I just think that we are in a time where customers, business owners, well, one and the same, right? As as an entrepreneur, you are a customer of of other course creators and other digital marketers or other business owners. Um, but the market has matured. People can you can see the um God, who was ranting about the product launch? Oh. It was when I watched this live training that Amanda Bond was doing, and it was Sean Twing there. You know, you can see the product launch formula coming miles and miles away. And so it's like, okay, wait, I'll watch and see what happens. And what's the price? You just, you see it. And so the effectiveness, and I shared a, oh, it was a um, an article, also shared the newsletter that Andre wrote, and it was, was it a manifesto? A product launch manifesto. And talking about how ineffective they're actually becoming. And the numbers that I put in that, and this was in the Spark, where am I at? Issue 161. It was probably 160, maybe, or 159, last couple issues. But they broke down this launch that did $1.2 million. Guess how much the actual creator walked away with? $42,000, you guys. And this was because he talked to people behind the scenes. They didn't give names. But you've got affiliate payouts, you've got a joint venture person who actually helps broker the joint venture deals. Um, you've got affiliates, you've got costs, you've got refunds, all of these things. And the the JV broker actually made more money than the creator. Now, that being said, it's not totally invaluable in terms of with all those JV partners and those new customers, you're growing your email list, right? But could you run ads to grow your email list where at, you know, maybe it's $2 cost per lead versus 10 or whatever it averages out with JVs? I don't know. You know, there's something to be said, but I really do think um, things are shifting. There will always be space for high ticket. I'm not negating that. But as people learn more and get more savvy, they're wanting things differently. You know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know about you guys, but summits. I just feel like, oh, although I will, I, I'm thinking about 
getting a virtual ticket to um, Julia McCoy, uh, content at, content at scale, and what content hacker was that her site? Um, they're doing like a two and a half day event in March in Austin, um, and I would I'm like I just want the content sessions. Um, and I just, I kind of want to stay home for a while, you guys. It's been such a year. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so that, to me, that's just a, a conference, right, where you're getting a virtual ticket. But summits, where you get a free access, and, um, and then you can buy an all-access pass. I, I think they're still effective. I think it's just going to depend on the market and the niche and your audience. And I I simply see in the digital marketing space with digital content summits. I don't know the last one I registered and actually ended up attending any session or even going for replays. And that probably just speaks volumes about me. So I don't know, but I'd love your thoughts if if you're still all over the summit stuff and people are still doing them. So, you know, I'm not here to rain on anyone's parade. Um, I also think it's crystal clear that there is no one way to do anything. There are far too many people who have built successful i.e. profitable, not just status influencer stuff, right? Businesses in a way that work for them. They've done it with no social media, only podcasting, only YouTube, only writing, having one product or email only, right? You get the point. You do you. And here's the other thing. So um, a, a good friend of mine who has been behind the scenes um, managing email campaigns and whatnot for some bigger creators. You know, it is nuts. He shared a story about um, a client who so much of the content was fluff and the guy was super hands off and just wanted more, 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 more. And, you know, at whatever point, I'm a big believer that what comes around goes around, karma, whatever you want to say. But people are getting smarter. That's all there is to it. And um, I feel I feel a change is coming. All right. Let's get back to everything is content, shall we? All right. So here's the seven steps. Here's a way I want you to start thinking about everything is content. Like what the hell does that mean, Kim? Because it's kind of broad, right? It's kind of ambiguous. Like, is this water bottle content? Well, it could be. I could make up a story about this. And and not fake story, but share because I live with my water bottles. I mean, there's a story to everything. All right. So the first thing is I want you to embrace the freedom of content creation. Seriously, don't start out with some dialed in strategy when you don't know what people want or what works. And this applies to restarting. Okay. So if you are somebody who has created in the past and you're going to pick up a newsletter again, or you're going to pick up content or a podcast, or you're going to get into video, I'm not saying not to think through strategy. What I am saying is don't decide you have to create a strategy that's going to take three months to plan. In the meantime, you're publishing nothing. Okay, you have to test and try things. There are so many places to create and publish online. Break free from traditional norms and explore various topics, especially if it's a personal brand. You get to craft your own niche. And I will share my little buckets that I've talked about before, but I did a little uh, Venn diagram. I think Venn is a Venn diagram is technically three, but I think there's like four or five circles in mine. All right. So the first thing is embracing the freedom. Nobody, There is no right or wrong. Nobody is telling you you can or can't do this. And I am telling you to F the niche. Okay. Number two is to share personal journeys and stories. This is what led me to create Everything is Content. The more I shared my personal journey, the more my audience grew. It creates genuine engagement conversation, and authentic connections. When you're willing to share, here's here's a great story. I, I shared last week that I had recently, my friends and I had revived our ornament exchange, right? And these are girlfriends from elementary and high school. And there was only four of us, two of them couldn't make it. And what I notice is that as soon as one person sort of, um, I'm going to say breaks the seal on I went through this and it was really hard. And, you know, because it's a lot different. You're in your early 20s before everybody has families. And it's like you're super involved and you know what's happening in everybody's lives kind of regularly, right? And we have started getting back together much more regularly. So it wasn't as much of the catching up and bringing everybody up to speed. We had just done that in October. So now we got into the deeper stuff. And as soon as one person 
breaks that seal of vulnerability and says, I'm willing to be vulnerable because I love and trust you guys, um, everybody else follows suit. It becomes this safe space, right? And I had this, uh, where did I hear it? I don't, or someone else told me this, but we called it the dome of silence, you know, meaning whatever we say here is safe and it stays within these walls. But this is the same thing is true. And I, you might be thinking, okay, but sharing personal journey, journeys and stories with my email list on my website, podcast, video, you know, that's not necessarily the dome of silence. My point though is that once you start doing it, there's this level of trust that happens from your listeners, from your subscribers, your customers, your clients. You know, you become relatable. And I mean, I know that, you know, my therapist slash mentor, my retired therapist slash mentor, um, whatever, I love hearing her stories. I love it when she shares a level of vulnerability with me because, you know, I've jokingly said to her, I promise I don't think you walk on water, but in some ways, a little bit, right? She's she's up there. But it just endears me more to her that she's human and continues to navigate and grow and stays curious and is excited about creating. And it's, you know, so think about that connection with the people that you want to support and and help solve problems. I don't care if it's building a website or, you know, that you create content or you know, that you want to help somebody create a product or e it doesn't matter what it is. The point is when you're willing to share that side of you. And this, I don't think this is specific to a personal brand, but if you are part of your agency site, your name is on it, there is value in that too. It might look a little bit different, but you still have to, to test and start. Okay, so, so we have embrace the freedom of content creation because no one's telling you what you can and can't do. We're just buying into other people's beliefs. Okay. Number two, share personal journeys and stories. Number three is practice in public. We have all heard the term build in public and it is fantastic, but not everybody wants to commit to building something. And I know we could split hairs here and say, there's not a big difference between practicing and building because technically aren't you building an audience, a brand while you're practicing? Yes. But using the word practice specifically around content implies two things, commitment and consistency not the outcome of the thing I've built, right? When you hear build in public, the goal is, I, I, to me, I think project. What am I, what am I committing to building in front of the world that there will be an end date and an end product, a result of this? Practicing means we're just going to keep going and iterating, okay? And it takes the pressure off of the work you're doing, meaning needing to have a specific end result. Focus on getting better at your craft. This also reinforces that building a business online based on your created assets takes time. An end result or a byproduct of this practicing in public should be list growth. Growing that list of engaged subscribers who know, like, and trust you and want to do business with you. They may not want to do it with you today. It may not be in three months. It may be next year, but that doesn't mean we stop. All right, number four. Inspiration, strategy, and actionable advice. While figuring out what works, you want to make sure your content combines each of these. You don't want to do a bunch of how-to content unless your business model is affiliate marketing for free, uh, meaning don't do the how-to stuff for free um, unless you are doing affiliate marketing because that can lead to an audience of freebie seekers. Been there, done that. You want to create content based on the psychographics of your ideal customer, subscriber, client. Okay, so for example, the qualities, my, the psychographics that I look for are people who take responsibility, are willing to do the work, and they want to have fun. Like, I, you know, come on, life is, life is hard enough. <laughs> life is too short. And if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. Remember that? Um, so I want to work with people who want to create their ideal life and live life on their own terms. They're willing to show up and they're willing to be vulnerable. And remember when I say creating an ideal life, man, you know, I was talking to my sister last night and we were talking about how. It's interesting because you hit midlife and she's just about to turn 50 and you hit midlife and her daughter just went off to college this past fall and it's like, oh, here you are. And then you, you, you think you've got this window between kids being out and, and caring for parents, right? And um, I fully expected my mother to be here. We, she passed away four years ago and um, four and a half years ago. Ugh, it's. It is that's one of the most surreal things about grief, guys, when you think about somebody you couldn't imagine life without 
and it's that much time has gone by, right? That is a testament to it's supposed to be fun. Um, but we were talking about this this stage of midlife, and I your ideal life shifts, man. You know, I would think, especially for Gen X and older, where there was such um, and I and I should say I can't speak for generations younger. You know, like my daughter is not necessarily the I want to acquire a bunch of stuff. I want to create a life. You know, I think younger generations have let go of the idea that they're the American dream exists for everybody and all that stuff. And I'm not going to go sideways politically, but what I want looks a lot different today, my ideal life, than it did 10 years ago. I want the income, but the freedom and the quality of life and more downtime <laughs> to pursue hobbies and travel and spending time with people. You know, I don't care what anything looks like on the outside to anybody. It doesn't mean I don't want nice stuff. I do. But Eh, not at not at the expense of my peace. And I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive, but man, that shifts your ideal life. So remember, that gets to be what you design it to be. Ignore outside external influence on that, okay? All right, so I'm just gonna do a quick little recap. Number one was embrace the freedom of content creation. Number two, share personal journeys and stories. Number three is to practice in public. Number four is to create content that is a combination of inspiration, strategy, and actionable advice, right? So hopefully, this this little bullet list of seven things is giving you the actionable advice. I'm hoping that the inspiration is coming from my passion and commitment to helping people get out of this. I can only create content in this niche and talk about this. Yes, you. All right. Let me back, back up one sec. Again, I'm not telling people, I said this last week, to create and everything but the kitchen sink business, right? I'm not going to start talking about gardening and cooking and baking and all of these things that, which I'll never talk about cooking. I do like to bake. Um, or, you know, getting back into art, like I like doing watercolors and drawing and I was an art major for a while. Oh, it's whatever. Like, I'm not going to necessarily talk about that, but there's a way to pull in those elements of who I am into the things I do like to talk about in my business. Okay. So that's where I'm talking about pulling in um, everything as content also. All right. So let's, Let's move on. There's only three more points here. Number five is linking passion and purpose. And I watched a talk with Elizabeth Gilbert, member, author of Eat, Pray, Love. Love her work. And I'm going to give you a couple examples when I hit this bottom of this list, which I didn't put in the post. So hopefully I won't forget. But she had given a talk and there was a gal that stood up and said she was tired of Liz Gilbert saying, find your passion. She goes, I I leave feeling depressed because I don't have a passion. And so she she started changing and she had never thought about it that way because for her as a writer, she knew at 11 years old that she wanted to to write. I knew from the time I was a little girl spending hours drawing in my room that I had to do something creative and never thought that writing would be such a piece of that, but I still doodle and I draw and I journal and I, I'm very tactile with that stuff. So when I say linking passion and purpose, I don't want you to think of passion as something that is um, like I have to have a passionate creative hobby. I'm passionate about making pasta, right? <laughs> Whatever. I want you to think of passion as something you have to for in for in um for creating the life you want. Be passionate about, look, I'm going to start an online business um, because I'm passionate about having more free time. I'm going to start an online business or I want to scale my business because I'm passionate about paying for graduate school for this family member. Or I'm passionate about scaling my business so that, right? So you can be passionate without having a passion. Does that make sense? Um, in 2008, even then, even though I didn't know what it would look like, I was passionate about starting my business because I wanted freedom. I never wanted to commute, work for someone else, and have my schedule dictated by a corporation ever again. And having been in retail management for so long, I didn't want keys to a building that I didn't own. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Never, ever, ever. Um, and maybe an easier way to think about this is to start clarifying your values. And so where I've talked about core content values, and I'm going to keep drilling this home, my core content value is that people feel better for having consumed or engaged with my content. You're going to learn something, you're going to feel inspired, um, entertained, 
or what was the other one? Uh, we're going to connect, right? So the inspiration is connecting at a heart level. So maybe I'll do a whole podcast episode. I, I did a whole episode after my mom died, like a month after she died, and I cried through it. It was, but I'm human and it was part of my life. And I've always been very, I would say I've shared the personal for as long as I can remember. And it's something that I had to baby step into. And I'd get a little bit more, more comfortable doing it. And I'd share a little bit more and share a little bit more. And I also believe in differentiating personal and private. There's some private stuff that I'm never going to share. It's no one's business, right? And it's mine. But the personal stuff, and hopefully, when I share for the personal, I'm on the other side of it. Um, you know, like I wasn't going to record a podcast saying, guys, I'm putting my dog down tomorrow. I'd be crying, you know, but the lessons learned from even that experience. So keep all of that in mind. And here's a side note. The more you practice in public, the sooner you're going to find out what really lights you up in terms of the passion piece. And But you'll never know if you don't start. You'll never know what speaks to the people in your audience or what pulls those people towards you. All right. So number five was linking passion and purpose. Number six is, is authenticity and community building. So personal brands, and dare I say small businesses like agencies and small teams, you know, you just, you have to show up genuinely and authentically. And I'm sure we all feel like the word authentic is overused and possibly a little trite, but that doesn't mean it's invalid, <laughs> right? It, it, it doesn't. It's also vital that your community feels like they matter. So if you start thinking of your audience, your subscribers, customers, clients, whatever, as part of a community, all of a sudden, there's a connection, right? You feel, as soon as you use the word community, my community of subscribers, my community of followers, um, my community of friends online, however you want to phrase that. But when you start thinking in terms of community, it's less me versus them. It's us. There become, there's a collective we that starts happening and the sharing feels much more natural. So the last thing, you guys, number seven is to implement and iterate. Taking action is key. You need to start by applying what resonates with you from this guide. Okay. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. So whether you're sharing a personal story, experimenting with different content formats, or engaging with your community, the focus should be on consistent action. And that's okay if that means I'm going to create and publish social content twice a week. What The only thing that, that it, that's going to impact is the length of time it takes to get there. But if you're consistent, it will start compounding. The more you do, the more you'll see it. And and the other thing is, I mean, stop to think about this, you guys. When things start working, how much more excited are you? You know, like I've been on this journey this year. I've lost about 30 pounds. It feels great. And so it's like, oh, let's keep this baby going. I don't know what my ideal goal weight is. It's been so long since I've been there. But um, the, you know, s- success begets success. Um, so this whole step to implement and iterate is about moving from theory to practice, embracing the learnings from each attempt, and continuously evolving your content strategy to better align with your goals and audience, i.e. community, right? So there you have it. I'm just going to do one last little recap of these seven points. Embrace the freedom of content creation. Share personal journeys and stories. You want to practice in public. You want to create content based on inspiration, strategy, and actionable advice. The goal should be to link passion and purpose. And again, we've done a whole different spin on passion here. We're going to focus on authenticity and community building. And last, and certainly not least, is that you need to implement and iterate. This is not ever going to be a straight line. It's not. I mean, things change so fast in this space. So you have it. Some of that might feel like it's a bit intangible, but I assure you it's not. And I will tell you, I have learned that you don't get the tangible without the intangible. One feeds the other. Okay. And and I want you to think about this. <coughs> Excuse me. Have you ever watched a YouTube video um, or listened to a podcast and the host or guest is saying something you've been thinking about, feeling, or even talking about for years, but you you did this thing of, well, everybody knows that. Or, you know, when I see people still to this day, I don't know how many times I, I've seen a post on Medium of the top three finance or business or marketing books or whatever. And I've I already know I, I I'm not Nostradamus. I mean, I don't know what's going to be in the post before I read it. Then I read it. And I'm like, yep. And I don't mean that it's rare that I come across a book or something. I am an avid reader, but I've been in this space long enough that 
you know, we've all heard there's no such thing as a new idea, but what is your take on it? So who cares if somebody else has said it 82 times? Say it. Say it in your voice. Say it with your heart. Say it with your perspective. That is what matters here. The only difference between those people um, is that they've published the thought or idea. And be careful of knowledge bias, because this is where when I was talking earlier about ignorance is bliss and saying that, you know, when I was getting started, I didn't care. I was just sharing and I was writing and I was throwing stuff out there. And I remember some guy saying, like, you need to learn how to use the software because you're making me dizzy with Camtasia. And I was like, okay, mean, but noted. Good point. <laughs> right. Whatever. Um, so whatever. You know, you you do develop a little bit of a thick skin. And the more you do, the more you publish, the more you show up, the more those people will also show up. But they tend to be people you can't trace or track. So who really cares? Um, stop holding yourself back from saying and creating the things you want to create because you think it's all been done or you're thinking, yeah, but who am I to say this? Or I'm not as good as X. Okay. Screw it. We're not doing that anymore, guys. Okay. And if you're concerned that everything is content won't work for your business or audience, let me ask you this. How's the whole niche thing working for you right now, right? If that's not been working for you, and I'm not saying it doesn't work, but if it's not working for you, give this a, give this a go. What have you got to lose? You know, just because, you know, 50 million people are preaching at you that you have to niche down, that niche is in the, is in the riches, just because that's what people have been saying and telling you does not mean it's the only way to do things. Okay. Do you feel inspired to create? Do you like creating content for the search engines? Okay. Do you have an email list of engaged subscribers who want to do business with you? Right. If the niche thing isn't working for you, ask yourself those questions. So when I felt like, okay, so I had been in the WordPress space talking about a lot of stuff, but the podcast felt freeing because it was the first time I stopped. I would, I would do these solo shows and I really started talking more about marketing and digital marketing and content creation. Then under the personal brand, I went into the content creation space, which I love. But then having launched Content Creators Planner, I felt like, oh my God, am I cannibalizing my Kim Doyle brand? Talk about content over here. So I better focus on email and newsletters. And now I don't care. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. It's all going to be under this umbrella, but you get my point. One size does not fit all. And even though I doubt this needs repeating, I'm going to say it anyway. And everything is content is not about thinking of as many random things as possible and seeing what works. It's about pulling all of you into your business and expressing that for your content. As you start practicing this, you're going to find the intersection of where things overlap. So I'm going to explain this diagram to you. It's in the blog post. Okay, so I've got four main content topics, digital marketing, mindset, money, and inspiration. So in digital marketing, I've got email and content. And my brand is at the center of this, okay? Digital marketing, email, and content. That's kind of the, the hub piece of it. But I'm also going to share my public journey next year of doubling down to master paid traffic. And I've talked about that before. The mindset piece, I also pull in energy and spirituality. Under the money piece, so the energy and spirituality also overlaps the money. The money piece is amplifying women. I would love to see. I've just completely gone down the rabbit hole of finance and money. And I'm I'm going to be starting to share the women I'm listening to. I hope to have some of them on the podcast because I truly believe that women, the women that I know that earn a lot of money do great things with it. And I'm not saying men don't, okay? But I, we can all look at history. We can all look at the lack of equality there and know that it's time for change. And so I hope to be that voice to support highlighting the people who are encouraging me to change. I'm not ever going to start teaching that stuff. Maybe pricing might be one thing, but no, but not until I've mastered it for myself. The last one then is the inspiration piece of it. And so all of so that again digital marketing mindset money and inspiration and that just comes from lessons and case studies and the inspiration will come through my content and come through how i'm amplifying other women and in hopes of encouraging other women and again i'm not going to not talk about the men who are doing incredible things i adore jason resnick i wish i had a, a fraction of how his brain works <laughs> stuff but it uh, were yeah he's very left brain i'm very right brain um, but no, there's plenty of of guys who do incredible stuff, right? So again, 
I have four primary topics, and there's different intersections. And so think about that. And now what I would do, and I don't have this, did I put this in? Yeah, no. What what I'll do then now is I'm going to just start kind of documenting. I'm going through a writing course right now, and I'm going to start documenting. What are the things like just bullets, guys? This is where I start going, okay, what's an idea? Oftentimes, when I'm listening to in the morning, I've got like my little, my morning routine, truly, um, is once I get take care of my dog, not dogs, uh, but when I take the dog out and get her fed and all that kind of stuff, um, I get my coffee, I get to my desk, and I've got this window where I'm reading emails because I'm reading newsletters and I'm looking at it from a marketing perspective and whatever. Um, so I'll be going through that. And then sometimes I'm listening to YouTube. Most of the stuff I listen to YouTube on in the morning is spiritual energy, mindset, that type of stuff. I love Dr. Joe Dispenza and I'm fascinated by neuroscience and the power of the mind to create things in the body. And so sometimes where I, the last episode where I said getting beyond yourself, that came from a Joe Dispenza video. So keep your, you know, keep, stay open, I guess is what I'm saying. Stay open to where the inspiration hits once you decide on your content topics. And I talked about this in the Create a Content Planner, which you're going to hear a lot more about next year. And I think it's going to become a part of this everything is content package because we created content buckets. And that's where I think it's a lot easier to say, what are the things I want to talk about? And then you'll start seeing the intersection and the overlap. So like I said, there's going to be more under each of those categories for me, but I'm going to start testing more and see what works. And in many ways, I've been talking about a lot of this stuff for years, but in a much more indirect way. Not anymore. It is time to take my own advice and hashtag just show up. That's another one of my hashtags. So you guys are wonderful. I love you tons. I want your feedback on this, please. Uh, And so stay tuned. I will be emailing and sharing just a notification list for the first Everything is Content workshop. And this, I, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm really excited. And I do think I'm going to ship planners with that with that first workshop. And there's an intersection here that is lit me on fire. And I'm, I can't wait to see how this all unfolds and to test this and, and get it out there. And once I start seeing what's resonating, this is going to be a huge piece of the paid traffic piece also a huge piece of the paid traffic piece. You know what I mean? Huge element. Um, because I highly recommend Laurel Portier, P-O-R-T-I-E, with the little, what's it called? It's not an accent, but it's got a name over the E. Um, she has a $7 a month Facebook ads training. It is phenomenal. She, she goes live. I, I can't, this this woman, amazing. She's actually got a, a book on Facebook, on Facebook, a book on Amazon now too. You can get the Kindle or the print version. Um, and she has this whole thing about power content. And both she and Amanda Bond test organic content. So what a perfect way to apply seeing what is getting engagement and then maybe doing a $5 a day ad to a video to see what resonates with people. So I am fired up. And yeah, so we'll see what what type of podcast comes out before the end of the year. Wait a minute. I think I, let's see if I can get my year in review and before the end of the year, that would be impressive. Um, if I do say so myself, just knowing my schedule. So again, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening. I love you guys tons. Please, if you've not done so, I'd love a review in iTunes. And uh, it really helps the show get discovered more. So I will catch you next week. 